I think a lot of times we feel that we've recognized this lack in our life and we feel that God doesn't love us. It's just the opposite. Well, God, if you really love me, why do I have this need in my life? God says, well, wait a minute. Over the mountains, over the valleys, I hear the calling. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. And this morning, if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of John, chapter 21. John 21, the very last book in the book of John. We're going to be looking again, close encounters of the real kind. In fact, this chapter starts off basically saying that very thing. And um, of course, we know that whenever we come and we're face to face with Jesus, we're never the same. Because God forces us to see life differently than through our own perspective. And again, if you don't have God's perspective of life, you're going to always be troubled because we don't see clearly for what everything truly is. Let's pray. Father, as we go to your word this morning, Lord, for every heart that's here that needs to be touched by your spirit, that needs to be rebuilt by you, that needs to be corrected and blessed and loved, Father, may you now do that for every one of us listening in this room, across the internet, around the world. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask you now that your Holy Spirit would change us as we read your word In your name, amen. As we've been looking at this, we've been looking at close encounters of the real kind. It's impossible that as you come in close encounter with Jesus, you're not going to be changed in some way. And why is that? Because God changes the way we see things in this life. The first thing we're always going to find, there is the natural man, the unborn-again person, and then there is the born-again person that's been illuminated by the Spirit of God. The unregenerated man sees things one-dimensional. The born-again person sees it in two dimensions. You see the physical, you see the spiritual. Well, this is what we're looking at today. This is after Jesus rose from the dead. He had already shown himself twice to the disciples. And we find in Matthew chapter 28, they were told to go to the Galilee and wait there and Jesus would come and minister to them. So after these things, this is again John 21 verse 1, and I suppose if I was going to entitle this sermon, I would call it third times the charm. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, and in this way he showed himself. Now there was Simon Peter. Everybody remembers Simon Peter. He's the one that kind of uh, was the 
bold guy. He kind of had the mentality of ready, shoot, aim kind of guy. He sometimes got his emotions in front of reality. Lord, I'll never deny you. I'm willing to die with you. And Jesus said, before the cock crows twice, you'll deny you know me three times. And we remember just as Jesus said it happened. And with a glance, the Bible says, when Jesus looked at Peter, his heart was broken and he ran out of that place in, in the courtyard and repented and called out to God. Well, Simon, Peter, now, they're all up at the northern end of the Galilee. They're all gathered there together. Now notice it says, Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Cana of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that would be uh, James and John, and two other of his disciples were there together. You've, you've heard of Oceans 7. Well, this is the Galilee 7. And these guys were gathered together and they were around Peter now, we don't know all the things that were going on, but they were waiting there for Jesus. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Now, I, I think this is kind of interesting here, whether Simon Peter was just antsy, waiting for Jesus, or he thought, well, maybe he isn't going to come at all. I'm going to not just sit around and do nothing. I'm going to go fishing. Notice the influence that Peter had with the other disciples. And something I think is really important you always must be aware of the influence that you have upon other people. I think a lot of times, not only is there missed opportunity, but there's missed recognition from God to you in the influence that you have. Notice it says, I'm going fishing, and they, speaking of the other disciples, said, <clears throat> we're going with you also. Then they went out and immediately got into the boat and that night, they caught nothing. <laughs> I don't think there's anything worse than going fishing and catching nothing. You know, it's not a real high-energy uh, sport anyway. Well, maybe most of the time. I suppose if you're on a, a boat in the ocean and you're going, you know, fishing for shark, I imagine that could really uh, increase the uh, uh, adrenaline level. But basically, when you're out there all night on a boat catching nothing, well, this is what happened. Now, first of all, we have to look at a couple things. They were told to go to the upper part of the Galilee and wait. Peter gets an unction to go do something. Now, I always need to be real careful when I get an idea. If it isn't really God-spawned, I can find myself chasing rainbows. And I want to be careful of that. I think at this particular point, you might say, Peter went with and led his friends into nothingness. I, I think this is always an issue. Then the second thing we find it, in the morning, and when the morning now had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Most likely, many of the commentators say it was probably just at daybreak. It was still darkish a little bit, but the sun was coming up. And they're there, and they're gathered there. And Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught any food? And they said, no. Wow, you think about this for a minute. Fishing all night, trained fishermen, catching nothing. Now, one of the things you'll always find God does in our lives, he'll point out the lack in your life before he ministers to that need. 
Don't feel that God doesn't love you because he points out something that is missing in your life. Sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves and say, I'm on the wrong road before God can put us on the right road. What happens a lot of times, because we have a tendency sometimes to follow others, and certainly we find these other six disciples following Peter, that they had followed Peter into catching nothing. (laughs) Now, God never told them to go fishing. It was just something that they decided to do. Peter, the ringleader, and, and getting them all to go, tells me again that Peter had probably quite a bit of influence over the other disciples, probably no doubt because of his personality, probably the way that he was as far as stature. He was older. We remember the Bible said he was older than John was. And so he, he, he brought them to a place not really motivated by God saying, now my son, go fishing and catch the big one. Doesn't say that. It just says this was an unction Peter had. He went Caught nothing. Jesus is on the shore, asked them a question, did you catch anything? They said nothing. Again, don't ever feel bad that God doesn't love you if he points out to you something that isn't in your life. Because if God points out something that isn't in your life, he's getting ready to do something great in your life. I think a lot of times we feel that we recognize this lack in our life and we feel that God doesn't love us. It's just the opposite. Well, God, if you really love me, why, uh, why do I have this need in my life? God says, well, wait a minute. I'm showing you this need in your life that it wasn't met normally. So now supernaturally, I'm going to do something great for you. We're in, uh, we have a life we live in Christ. We serve a miracle working God. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's done in the past, he'll do in the future. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. This is just the way God works. Now, why is that? Because again, God doesn't operate on our schedule. And I think a lot of times God does this to show us that we're not going to meet the need that we recognize in ourselves by ourselves. Again, many times people try to do that, and you'll find they catch nothing in doing so. Well, I've got this emptiness in my life. What do I do about it? Well, I got to get some new friends. I got to get loaded. I got to get stoned. I got to get this. I got to get Gucci. I got to get that. We have all these things that we try to do to fill whatever it is that need that's in our life. And believe me, friends, every one of us in this room listening All of us have needs in our life. And the needs that you have today will be different than the needs you'll have in the future. Why is that? Because because we're alive and because life dictates many changes to us, if we don't have somebody that's already gone before us, we're hitting everything that we know blind. But the Bible says we're not in darkness. We're not blind. We serve a God that's already gone before us. And I think that's so important. Jesus said, hey, boys, you got anything? And they said, nothing. Well, again, we find here that um, he says to them, verse 6, 
Cast your net on the right side of the boat, not the wrong side, (laughs) just kidding. He says, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. I like that. The Bible says, Jesus said, you caught nothing, your problem, you're fishing off the wrong side of your boat. Now this isn't the first time, friends, that this happened. We remember Jesus used their boat as he addressed the crowd. He asked them if they had caught anything. They said nothing. Jesus said, you're fishing off the wrong side of your boat. I suppose when Peter said, at your word, we'll let down the nets. I don't think the first time this happened in the earlier part of the Gospels, that this was something that Peter did with a longing, submitted heart. I think Peter probably did this as a matter of almost mockery to Jesus. Hey, look, you're a rabbi, Jesus. We're trained fishermen. We know how to catch fish. Maybe you know the scriptures. And, uh, and you say the reason we didn't catch any fish, we're fishing off the wrong side of our boat. I've always used the illustration. It's like asking a hunter, did you get the buck? He goes, no. Well, the problem is you're using the wrong end of your gun. That's kind of what Jesus was saying. Well, here's the problem. So Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. And Peter says, if you say so, we'll let down the nets. I believe it was probably out of mockery because of what Peter went on to say that first time. When they brought in the net, the nets begin to break. Peter said, go away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. I think he was convicted in his heart and rebuked in his soul because of what Jesus said to him. But Jesus pointed out to him and said, from now on, you're going to be catching men. And so now here's a reiteration or a flashback or a deja vu of that first experience that he had with Jesus. And now the net is so big and so full of fish, they can hardly contain it. And so he says, cast your net on the other side or the right side of the boat. And they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Remember, God is always your provider. He can make a way when there is no way. I was talking with a sister here this morning. She said that uh, she was uh, uh, in her house and the landlord, she was normally paying around 600 and uh, uh, the landlord raised, doubled it just about, which is a way of saying go away. She didn't know what to do, prayed. God provided her another house for $600. God, our provider. That's how God works. See, God knows what we need, the Bible says, before we ask. See, that's one of the great problems I have with the uh, positive confession movement. You probably heard about that, where you just visualize it. You just keep, I, I claim my car. I claim my this. I claim my that. I want, I want, I want. Me, me, me. I want, I want. You know, I mean, something wrong with this picture. And the Bible says that God already knows we, what we need before we ask. So what do I want to ask for then? What I, the thing, or do I want to ask for his will? God, your will is what I want. Because when I'm in your perfect will, that's where the provision is. It's when they began to operate under the dictate and the mandate of Jesus. Let your net down on the other side. Bang! That's where the food was. They fished all night. Caught nothing. Jesus, with the word, says, you're fishing off the wrong side of your boat. Whammo! 
fish. Why? Because you're where God wants you to be. I don't have to go around and claim junk, stuff, things. All I need to be is in the center of God's will and it'll happen. I used that illustration a week ago. And I didn't really realize it. It didn't really hit me. But I remember my little girl. Again, they have these key fobs. Uh, you know, they, they, you know, you have them and, and, and they, they, you know, they, they look like this little thing here. And as long as you have this on your person, your car will automatically unlock. You don't have to take your, I'm not a car salesman here. I, I, you don't have to take the keys out of your wall or out of your pants and put it in the ignition. It just knows you're there. You radiate Toyota. I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, it works. And when you walk up to your car and you want to unlock your car, you just put the hand on the handle and it goes beep, beep, and everything unlocks. And I remember my little girl was was wanting to unlock the car and she grabs the handle and nothing was happening. And she was frustrated and I said, now hold my hand. And when I held her hand, that... Toyota Essence. I don't know what it is. But anyway, it went on her and the car unlocked. And I go, you know, God, that's the way it is with you. I can sit there, fish all night, pull on the handle all night, but it's not till you put your hand on me that has that anointing that will then unlock the doors. And I think oftentimes this is the way it is. Because again, the two ways of looking at things. Things naturally, things spiritually. The old man looks at the physical. The spiritual man looks at God, realizing there's another dimension. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3, you must be born again. It wasn't, well, you know, it's a nice option to get born again. He said, you must be born again. Why is that? Because we go from the singular, we go from the one plane to the dual plane. We, know, we go from the physical to the physical and the spiritual. Friends, that's so important. Why is that? Because the thing is, as we live our lives, things are changing every day. I thank God he's gone before us, as the Bible says, and made the crooked places straight. If you're not a Christian here today, I can guarantee you, you're hitting life blind. That's why you keep getting blindsided all the time. Whoa, I didn't see that one coming. No, you probably didn't. And you never will. But God, even no matter whatever happens, I know God's already been there and said, hey, I've got it taken care of. See, I, that's why I don't have to go around saying, well, God, you know, I, and, and, you know, you listen to some of this crazy stuff that's been taught in the church and oh, all over the, uh, the world. You know, well, you got to be specific. God's kind of ignorant, you know. He doesn't know these things. And so you got to tell him you want the red one with airco and tinted glass. That's the one you want. And, and, and that's way you'll, that way when you get the red one with the airco and tinted glass, you'll know God answered your prayer. Oh, Really? That sounds logical. What's wrong with it? It's out of God's will. I don't want anything except what God wants for me. You don't want anything except what God wants for you. Why is that? Because it prepares us for what's coming down the line. So you see, I can say, well, God, I want this and I want that. And God says, why? You're going to be a missionary in six months. Oh, really? That means I don't need any of this stuff I've been claiming? That's right. Maybe God's got a better plan for your life than you do. 
Oh, that's a novel concept. But that's what being born again is. You see, the natural man follows after things he sees. The spiritual person follows after God and the things that he wants. Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, earth as it is in heaven. Not my will, thy will be done. This is what even Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was God. If that was God saying, not my will, but yours be done, as he's pouring his heart out before his father, sweating great drops of blood, not my will, yours be done, where does that leave you and me? When is the last time we just said, Lord, I just want your will, whatever it is. I don't want your permissive will. I don't want any, I want your perfect will for my life. I want to be a surrendered servant. You say, well, why is that important? It's the only place you'll ever be happy. If you chase your life going after people, ideas, thoughts, I go fishing, I guess he's going, I better go too, you're going to find yourself catching nothing. You know, I I really believe God, because he loves us, asks us questions. And sometimes God may ask you a simple question. What are you doing? You know, I hate that when God asks me a question like that and I don't have a good answer. Have you caught anything? Nothing. Fish off the other side of the net. They weren't able to bring it all in. Well, verse 7, this caused a reaction. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, and by the way, this is speaking of John. Now, it isn't that that Jesus didn't love the other disciples. He loved all the disciples. But John recognized that love that God had for him. I pray today you would be the follower of Jesus that Jesus loved that you would recognize that, that God's got his best for you. It's the Lord, John said to Peter. Now when Simon Peter heard that, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and plunged into the sea. Now again, the boat was offshore a little bit, You don't just immediately move a boat. Sometimes you have to tack back and forth to get into shore. Sometimes it might, if there's no wind, they may have to row it to shore. Peter didn't want to wait. John recognized it was Jesus, but Peter's the one that took the action. And he jumps into the sea and swims the shore. I like that about Peter. The other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, about... 300 feet, about the length of a football field is what they were out there about that far. And so we remember that Jesus, um, uh, Peter didn't want to wait. So he, by the way, Peter and Jesus not wanting to wait, that's kind of normal for Peter. Remember, Jesus is walking by the boat. There's a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Peter yells, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come out there with you. And he said, come on, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. And he starts walking towards Jesus. And I think Peter, as he took his eyes off the Lord, because probably the storm was probably pretty intense. And, you know, woo, you know, you know, talking about going to one of them skateboard parks where they got all the bumps and rolls. I think, whoa, no board. Whoa, he was just doing that. 
realizing that, hey, I can't do this. And sure enough, he couldn't. He began to sing, Lord, save me. Jesus did. People oftentimes fault Peter and say, see, he got out of the boat and he sunk, but he's the only one that ever walked on water other than Jesus recorded in the Bible. I like that. Even if it was a short period of time, it had to be the ride of a lifetime. I'm not going to wait. I'm just going. And so he jumps in the water and heads for shore. I just want to say that because, again, a lot of times people won't get out of the boat. They're afraid of failing. But even if we fail, Jesus pulled him back out. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's time.